The key to sustainable leadership lies in the ability to thrive in uncertainty, ambiguity, and change. Grand Heron International brings you the Coaching Assistance Program, giving your employees on-demand coaching to manage through a challenging situation and arrive at a solution. Visit grandheroninternational.ca slash podcast to learn more. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, a podcast dedicated to promoting leadership development and sharing leadership insights. Here's your host, the Leadership Accelerator, Eddie Turner. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Keep Leading Live, the video version of the Keep Leading Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator. I work with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact through the power of facilitation, professional speaking, and executive coaching. Today, we're streaming live on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook. So I want to say hello and welcome to everyone who's joining me from those locations. What I'd like to ask you to do is go ahead and hit the like button. If you like what you're hearing, you like today's topic, hit the like button so other people will know. Also, hit that share button for me. Hit the share button so that your friends can tune in and they can get a chance to learn from my amazing guest today. And that means they'll also see the recording later on, even if they missed the live conversation. Finally, I'd ask you to just say hello. Let me know who you are. Let me know that you're here. Tell me where you're from. Ask questions of my guests. And already I see from Facebook, welcome. Oh my goodness. One of my favorite people in the whole wide world, Alexandria Laz. Alex, as we always call her. Alexandra, you're just amazing. And thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you letting me know you're tuning in all the way from London. So do like Alex, everyone. Please go ahead, put it in the chat. Let us know you're here. Ask any questions that you have. The greatest danger for most of us is not that we aim too high. And we miss, but it's that we aim too low and we reach it. Those are the words of Michelangelo. And those sage words of Michelangelo apply to many areas of our life. According to my guest today, however, they specifically impact the way we chart our careers. Whether we are a student in school or we're a new graduate entering the job market or a seasoned professional working on our ascent up the corporate ladder. My guest today says we need a map to guide our aim. So she wrote the book. She wrote the book. She's the author of Career Mapping, Charting Your Course in the New World of Work. Who's my guest it is the amazing Jenny Clark. 
Now, let me tell you about Jenny Clark. Jenny is an author and she is the director of leadership staffing at Google. So that alone makes her cool, right? (laughs) There she directs the internal mobility and non-tech recruiting teams. And she holds a master's degree uh, master's in Business Administration from Northwestern University. So it's not often I get a chance to welcome a fellow Wildcat. So right. I want to say welcome to my fellow Wildcat, Jenny <laughs> Clark. Jenny, welcome to Keep Leading Live. Thank you, Eddie. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. So uh, before we get started, it looks like we've had a couple of other people that join us. Uh, we got Alex uh, giving us a little bit more feedback. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. And Dr. Marina, she's joining us. Hi, how are you? She's joining us from Alexandria, Virginia. Thank you, Dr. Marina. And she's tuning in on LinkedIn. So we've got LinkedIn. We've got Facebook. Thank you for letting us know. And she loves the quote by Michael Angelo. I'm glad you love that, Dr. Marina. I took that from Jenny. Those are the opening words to chapter one of her book. <laughs> thank you for the attribution. <laughs> or thank Absolutely. Michael Angelo. Right. Oh, yeah, we got to go way back, right? <laughs> Fantastic. So what did I miss about your incredible background? Tell our audience more about you. I'll give you the the quick version. I grew up in Southern California. I went to UC Davis to study animal science because I wanted to be a veterinarian. That makes perfect sense. And then I graduated with a degree in French in linguistics because animal science didn't feel right once I started flipping sheep and, you know, messing with cows. (laughs) And so uh, when I graduated from Davis, I'd always been very active at school. I'd been a peer counselor. I'd done a variety of things, worked at the chancellor's office. I took a job as a recruiter um, because I had, as I say, I'd been active on campus. So I did that for a couple of years and then I decided I wanted to get my MBA and move to Chicago, um, Evanston to be more specific, to uh, the Kellogg School. It was wonderful. I had a great time. I graduated. uh, I actually served on the admissions committee in the admissions office, worked there, and they gave me a job offer to work in admissions. I said, no, I have to have this MBA. I have to go into business. So I went into banking at what's now called Chase. It was then known as First Chicago. Mm-hmm. I, um, I was there for a couple of years and then uh, decided I wanted to get into commercial real estate, joined JLL. It had it was known as LaSalle Partners back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was there. Then I moved to Prudential, real estate investor. So I had a career in the commercial real estate business, real estate investment management business for a number of years before I decided that I wanted to be an executive recruiter. And it was a defining moment that that caused that. My father died and I really questioned, he had been my coach and my guide and my guiding light. And I just stopped, everything just kind of stopped. And I, I questioned, what is it that I've always loved to do? And I neglected to mention that when I was working in these other companies, I always volunteered to go on campus and interview on their behalf. And I loved recruiting back from when I was in college, uh, post-college. So I did what any good person would do. I networked. And just to date myself, there wasn't an internet back then. So it was just starting up. And so you had to reach out to people. You had to really develop relationships. And that's essentially what I did. And so um, I networked my way into one of the world's top search firms um, known as Spencer Stewart and was there for 12 years, became a partner, uh, co-founded another global diversity practice, worked in financial officer, financial services, 
And then I left rather abruptly after 12 years, a single mom, um, because I wanted to write this book. I felt so strongly that people really needed to understand more about how this works. And mm-hmm. so I lifted, frankly, the, the methodology of the executive recruitment process and applied it for the benefit of individuals who were conducting a job search. And so this is really intended to be something that when I wrote the book, my son was 13. He's now, my book is, is 11, 12, 11 years old. He's now 24 um, out of college. And I don't think he reads it that often, but I know that at least through osmosis, he is. he knows the foundations of it, which really mean, you know, you're clear on what you want. You, um, we can go deeper into this, but it's, it's you owning the process versus believing that it's fate or believing mm-hmm. that you just have to sort of raise your hand and hope that you win, you know, like, please choose me. That's not the approach at all. Yeah. Talk about that, please. Because those listening are, are either people who are, as we said in the intro, well off in their careers, or maybe sure. we have people who are just uh, starting their careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see Jordan Thomas, for example, has joined. Uh, he joined us last week. Jordan. Hey, Jordan, how are you? He is, uh, he's an emerging leader. Uh, we have uh, those who are further along, like Alex. She's letting us know she's from the UK. We appreciate that. And we have Dan Bixby, who's joined us. So we have uh, people who have different careers. And sure. they may wonder, Yo, how do I take that step? Is it a matter of raising my hand or is more involved? Yeah. And, and let me try to set the foundation. And the book really walks through this methodology that I was mentioning. So before just writing a resume, um, which is what people where people want to start, there's so much more to it than that. And for me, it's personal. It's introspection. It's what do I really want? Because trust me, as an executive recruiter, I have met people who say they want one thing. And when I'm interviewing them, it's clear to me that they are not committed. They are not necessarily bought in. Yeah. Um, your motivation matters. And, and not only that, I mean, I want everybody to be happy with what it is that they're doing, to enjoy it, to be passionate about it. So, you know, for those people that your mother always wanted you to be a doctor or whatever that that old storyline is, I hope you can shed that and really get in touch with um, who are you? Who did you come here to be? What is your purpose? Those are basic foundational questions that most people fail to ask themselves because they think they're incongruous with making a living, right? And they don't have to be. So that's where I typically start. So asking those foundational questions. Okay. Foundational questions. And then Mm -hmm. let's start looking at at what's in your toolkit, as people like to call it. So let's do sort of a macro to micro analysis of the industries, the functions, the roles. And importantly, and you're going to hear me say this word for the rest of our time together, competencies. What are competencies? They're skills that you have either some are innate and others are learned. They are not the same as experience. You can gain competencies through experience. But listen, I always say this. We all know people who have lots of experience who aren't necessarily competent. Mm. <laughs> um, come on, somebody came to your head. Oh, yes. Oh. Yeah, I know. No, um, no one came to my head. I just thought you made a good point. <laughs> somebody, most people kind of smirk like, oh, yeah. yeah I, I'm, being facetious. Yeah. I'm being facetious. Yes, uh-huh. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, but to me, and again, as a recruiter, that's what I've been trained to do. It's to look past, especially I'm responsible for diversity. I don't know if, if, if you said that, but that's diversity at the leadership level within Google. And that's my main, it's, it's, I'm sure they get tired of hearing me say that, but competencies 
applied appropriately are what's going to level the playing field. So you're not looking at just somebody's pedigree. You're not just looking at, you know, what their which schools they went to, which companies they worked for, what job titles they held. You need to understand how they did the work to have impact. Yes. That's the and that's the competency. It's the how. And so for an individual, it's important that you understand what your own competencies are before you even try to go out and find a job and convince someone, whether it's a hiring manager or a recruiter, that you are the right person for the job. That's often hard for people to do, though. I know. <laughs> so how do they do it? Well, it, this is this is what the book is really walking you through. It's offering you some language, right? So what are the words that you use to describe how you do something? And this is where, again, you don't just write a bunch of words on a resume and, and believe that an algorithm is going to choose you. Mm -hmm. uh, there, some of that stuff does happen. But before that, and before you get in front of somebody for that screen that we tend to do, right, a, a more junior person might screen a candidate for me be before I actually see them. Um, but you need to, to understand what are those things. Build your narrative. Can you actually talk about how you did something? Why were you successful doing that role? And importantly, as I did, and I took you through my career trajectory for a reason, I changed industries and functions like four times. And I did it because I was deliberate and I knew what I wanted at that point in time. And I crafted the language to be able to convince somebody that I had the competencies. I didn't have prior experience. And you could argue that I had been a college recruiter going into being an executive recruiter pretty much night and day. There's some foundational things that are relevant. Um, but yeah, I mean, even being in the commercial real estate business, coming out of banking. I mean, so you you need to be the one to draw the through line and the through line are those competencies. This is how I did X, Y, Z. And here's how I would apply that in your organization. This is what I did at, at you know, Pepsi, but I can do this at Google, maybe. <laughs> it depends hey, on if it's a technical role or not. <laughs> you said so much there that I just want to unpack. And Please. it's like, oh my, I don't I don't even know where to start. I think the first thing I would say is you yeah. and I met because of an amazing person. You talked to earlier, you're networking before the internet came along. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so we met because of Laura Gates. There and Laura has on. actually joined us for this conversation. Hey, Laura. The amazing Laura Gates, who's a phenomenal coach. So we want to acknowledge her being here. Absolutely. But you you said that there is, uh, and I loved your intentionality of this language, there's no algorithm. When we put together that resume, you said there's no algorithm that's selecting us well, uh, unless we do it right. What I'm, and what so, I'm saying is there, there can be in some of these companies, and that's but that's what people tend to focus on is like, what words can I use that, such that the algorithm is going to choose me? And, and I'm saying that's those things happened, yes. But what's more relevant is that you are writing something that makes sense to a person. Um, and ideally, you will have a connection, some kind of a relationship with someone along the way that might be able to facilitate getting your resume considered. Yes, I, I misspoke. That the algorithm will select you. And, and that, that, made me, that made me think about my time in HR. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a job I have not thought about literally until you said this in college. My first job was that I got selected to work in the human resource department 
And that was part of how I would pay my bills. And in the HR department, I worked for the director of human resources. And this is back in the old days. So you talked about pre-internet. I'm going to talk about when you actually put together these resumes on this expensive paper, extremely fancy, and it got sent to someone. And I was my job was to literally, I was the, the algorithm, <laughs> to scan each of those resumes. Yeah. I went through tons of those. It was right. tiring, right? And I was told to look for keywords depending on the role. Mm-hmm. And I, it was a big lesson to me because I remember thinking, wow, these people spent all this money on this paper and it mm-hmm. never got to the director. It only got the little old me. Right. Because I was told if it didn't say this word, it doesn't go to her desk. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So be it a specific person who's making the selection or that computer computer algorithm that you're trying to get past. You have to really give some thought to this. Right. So that might get you through the door. But then you got to sit across from somebody nowadays on a Zoom or Google Meet or whatever Mm -hmm. kind of a call. (laughs) Um, But you've got to be compelling. You've got to be able to answer more than yes, no questions. You've got to be able to describe the how. Absolutely. You must be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, I am talking to the amazing Jenny Clark. Jenny is the director of leadership staffing at Google, and she's the author of Career Mapping, Charting Your Course in the New World of Work. We want to take a quick break right now and acknowledge a couple of people that helped me with the Keep Leading podcast. I have several sponsors, but there's one who always renews with me, and I want to acknowledge Grand Heron International. Uh, The key to sustainable leadership lies in the ability to thrive during uncertainty, ambiguity, and change. Grand Heron International brings you the coaching assistance program, giving your employees on-demand coaching to manage through a challenging situation and arrive at a solution. Visit grandheroninternational.ca slash podcast to learn more. Also, we want to remind you to check out keepleadingpodcast.com. There you'll get every episode, but you'll get the full transcripts for each episode. You'll get the link to the author's books and anything else the author gives me including some freebies we get at times, I post them to keepleadingpodcast.com. These video segments are found at keepleadinglive.com. And if you like what you are seeing and hearing, leave a comment for me on Apple on Apple iTunes. Uh, give us a five-star review if you think I'm, I'm worth five stars and leave a review of the words. We'll have more right after this. This podcast is sponsored by Eddie Turner, LLC. Organizations who need to accelerate the development of their leaders call Eddie Turner the Leadership Accelerator. Eddie works with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact. Call Eddie Turner to help your leaders one-on-one as their coach or to inspire them as a group through the power of facilitation or a keynote address. Visit eddieturnerllc.com to learn more. This is Simon T. Bailey, author, and you're listening to the Keep Leading Podcast with Eddie Turner. We're back, and my guest today is Jenny Clark. Jenny, the other thing that I don't know that we gave enough justice to uh, before we took the break is, I know what executive search is, and I know what Spencer Stewart is. Because the other thing you and I have in common is I work for Hydrogen Struggles, and you know we're both from Chicago. So talk about what it's like there and what you looked at that helped you form your perspective. 
Yeah, it was an amazing experience. I have to say that this is where I learned the art and science of executive recruiting. And I think a lot of people don't make the distinction, but in executive search, there's a, a few things that make it unique. First of all, the the origin there were there used to there was a Mr. Hydrick and a Mr. Struggles, a Mr. Spencer Stewart, a Mr. Egon Zender, a Mr. Russell Reynolds. And these gentlemen had all been in the uh, management consulting world. And as as the story goes, they kind of looked around and said, you know, they were privy to the movement of a lot of these CEOs and senior executives. And they thought, well, why can't we make money off of their movement and help facilitate that? And so they created these search firms, you know, that was 60, 70 years ago. And they grew into these really sophisticated professional services organizations that, that operate much more like a consulting firm um, than just an agency where you're just kind of, you know, throwing resumes against the wall. We learned the, as I say, the art and science of methodology that starts with understanding what your client needs. And then you, you break down and you sit with these senior clients. Um, an executive recruiter, as I was, the, the other obligation is to bring in the business as you know, Eddie. So there's, there's two that you have to execute the searches, but you have to also go out and win the business from those clients. And then you have a very robust research team. So it's not like you just rely on what's already in your database. You're always doing fresh research to identify the individuals that make the most sense for the role. And you look at everything from LinkedIn is, is relatively new in the grand scheme of things. You don't rely on LinkedIn as an executive recruiter. It's, it's a good start, mm-hmm. but particularly as it relates to underrepresented individuals, you leverage contacts, professional associations. There's, you know, there's all kinds of things that you do to find these senior leaders because they're passive candidates. Most of the people that we deal with are not actively looking for a job. So that's, that's important to note, right? I mean, we obviously, you know, just like at Google and I'm part of what's known as, you know, what's kind of considered Google's internal executive search firm, right? Right. Um, My team does about um, only 200 searches a year compared to the 20 something thousand people that we hire at the more junior levels, but the executive recruiting function, there's, there's a real art to doing it. And it part, this is where I learned even more deeply, this whole idea of competency assessment. Um, so that you make sure that you're hiring the best person for the job based on their competencies, not based on relationships, not based on just, as I said, the, that experience thing that people want. Oh, well, they've done these jobs. And I've sat in interviews where um, I can, I'll never forget, I interviewed this guy who was, as I like to say, straight out of central casting, <laughs> good looking, former Marine, Harvard undergrad, Harvard MBA had a fabulous looking resume. My client was really interested in him and I interviewed him over video and I swear to God, I could not get him to tell me anything meaningful. He just kept sort of reciting the same thing. It's like, you know, I did this, I did that, I did that. And I said, well, how did you do this? And, and finally, I just kind of threw my pen down. And I said, listen, I'm going to ask you this one last time because I'm pretty good. It's just it's, as you are, I'm sure, in the same vein, I, can, I know how to ask the same question five different ways to try to get an answer that, that I'm not hearing. And so I, I finally said, listen... When you opened the door for whatever company he was working for, you moved to Asia and you opened the door to that office on your first day, what did you do? And he kept saying what one would do. I'm like, and you know what finally dawned on me the next day? Because I called, I ended it as soon as I could. It it didn't even last an hour. Um, And I called my client and I said, listen, I know you're really interested in this person, but I just don't think they're right for the role. 
And I said, you can meet them if you want to, but here's, here's, and I ran down all the reasons why I didn't think he was appropriate. And they said, we trust your judgment. I was like, thank God. But then it dawned on me. I thought, I think the guy had a photographic memory and that's what had allowed him to be successful in the military, in school, and why he kept saying what one would do. It was though there was a manual that he was reading from. And I'm sorry, that doesn't work for me because I'm looking for people who are problem solving and they're thinking about, you know, new ways to lead and they're not referring to a manual. To me, that's what leadership is really about. It's that you understand how to take a situation and make it better to drive change and impact in an organization. Hence the old phrase, the difference between book smarts and street smarts or life, life smarts, right? So Mr. Harvard MBA was no match for Miss Jenny Clark. <laughs> I will say that, the, and that's why I wanted to highlight your time in executive search, because you were there for 12 years yeah. at one of the top firms and you were a partner. Yes. I've never been interviewed the way I was interviewed at Hydrogen Struggles. And then later on was taught how they do that interviewing, that competency-based interviewing. Mm-hmm. That's the real deal. You can't fake your way around that. You cannot. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I've had a couple of people, I remember a couple of candidates who were kind of like, well, I don't think you're listening to me. And, and I, you know, I don't usually play the card of, you know, I'm the one standing between you and this job that you want. So I think you need to stand down and uh, okay. tell me some respect. <laughs> <laughs> What would you say? You uh, you let them, you know, no, huh, Jenny? <laughs> you know, a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do every once in a while. And and I'm six feet tall, so it didn't didn't hurt that I was standing taller than him. Oh, okay. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> so Jenny says, I pull out all the stops. I use my hey. physical presence, my mental acumen and everything. Yeah. I love it. Well, listen, we have Jim Root, who's joined us on LinkedIn. He's hey, Jim. Uh, in Las Vegas, Jim, thanks for joining and thanks for letting us know that you're here. Ham, Hamid Mitchell, he's joined us from Virginia. We've got another Virginia person. So we're, we've got good representation on the East Coast for this session. Right. He says, high quality content. Thank you for saying that. I think the content's coming from Jenny, but thank you, Hamid. I appreciate you joining in. And Dr. Marina says, great insights, Jenny. <laughs> so thank you for sharing those. And she has a question for you. Yeah. And it's interesting. She's asking this question because when I said about my time, this is what was going through my head. So I'll let you address this. Her question is, do you prefer the car or the star approach? The C-A-R or the S-T-A-R approach? Tell me what those are. I've heard of star, but I don't know car. Yeah. I don't know car either. So situation, task, action, result. So I would assume it would be something similar. Meanwhile, Alex has tuned in again. She says she's inspired by your assertiveness. (laughs) When you believe in something, it's easier to stand firm. That's right. Thank you, Alex, for sharing that. Thank you, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's talk about the star approach, if you wouldn't mind. I didn't actively use these. I heard them in in my executive recruiting career. But they okay. weren't approaches that I consciously put into to motion. You had that extra secret sauce that you put in. <laughs> I came up with my own approach. <laughs> the okay. approach, yeah. 
But those are, Dr. Marina, those are two, uh, well, like I said, I hadn't heard of the context action result. Thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that. But the STAR method is a very popular method of competency-based interviewing. And so either way you're going to go, what Jenny Clark is telling us here is to make sure we're ready to go and not just leaving it to chance. That's right. Now, you brought up something else that's pretty important, too, because you work for the company that's considered by many to be one of the coolest in the world. You work for Google. You work for a company that's a noun and a verb. (laughs) (laughs) It is. (laughs) So what's that like to be at Google? It's crazy. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's pretty chaotic, actually. I mean, I you know, especially now that we're all remote. I mean, one of the things that makes Google so fun is the, just the work environment. You know, I'm sure you've heard of the ping pong tables and the volleyball courts. And yes. Gyms and all that stuff is that's fun. Um, but it's a very fast paced, um, pretty chaotic environment, I have to say. Um, the, the company is aligned mostly by. Um, product areas instead of business units. And, and so they're, they're kind of siloed and you've got senior vice presidents who drive those product areas for the most part. And then mostly on my side, because I'm part of the non-tech from the recruiters that I'm responsible for, they're the non-tech recruiters. And so we're supporting finance, legal, HR, um, communications, sales, huge organization, marketing. You must know that uh, Google's revenue, most of it, over 90% comes from sales. Um, the technology is obviously useful, but the the generator, the revenue generator is in the sales function. So it's a, it's a very fast pace. You better be um, tech savvy to be able to keep up with all of the movement between, you know, sharing documents and uh, there, there's a lot, it's a lot of moving parts. It's a, it's a, Crazy environment. <laughs> I bet. So the time in high tech, yeah, the time before I became a leadership consultant, I spent time in tech. And yeah. I was there on that Mountain View campus uh, during my short stint with Dell. Yeah, uh, I was there for about three years, I think. And so, uh, but we were housed on that campus. And so we were just the little kids kind of looking over the fence at oh, the fun dude. stuff you guys do over there because we were on that same campus. Yeah. But uh, you all were the cool kids. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's uh, people always I think they believe in the image. And I think we found in at least at my age that few things are what the image would suggest. I mean, they're brilliant people at Google. Don't get me wrong. Um, But it's still a company out to make money. And so you deal with a lot of the same stuff that you're going to deal with in a lot of other organizations. No question about it. I'm sure. Well, listen, I got to tell you, I have to stop everything right now because a comment just came in and I will tell you, Matrice Ellis Kirk is listening to us. Can you believe that? Oh my goodness. She says she's proud of us both. She was a partner at at Hydric Struggles. She was at at Hydric, but we we were together at Spencer Stewart. You were together at Spencer Stewart? Okay. So I met her at Hydric Struggles and when she walks in, you just, she just was a woman with presence. Absolutely. I mean, you talk about owning it. She owns it. She's amazing. What a small world. So I have not seen her or talked to her literally since 2009. So thank you, Matrice, for tuning in to listen to us. Matrice, you lost your mom, sweetie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Blessings. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Condolences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, her husband, Ron Kirk, served in the Obama administration and uh, right. uh, first black mayor of Dallas. So the, right. the Kirk family is just uh, amazing. And, amazing people. Uh, yes, great people. So uh, that warms my heart. If nothing else, 
that just makes this even a better session, uh, Jenny. Yeah, <laughs> All right, finally, we'll take one more comment from uh, Dan. Dan says, I've reached a senior level, mm-hmm. but gotten a reputation as an expert in one area, technical mm-hmm. L&D. Mm-hmm. But want to convince companies that I can expand my due north is to be a CLO. So your comments about how are very helpful, mm-hmm. but can I get to, but how can I get past the recruiters? Any mm-hmm. tips? <sighs> You know, it, it could be, and, and I, I don't want to contradict myself and because I talked about resumes and, and I think they obviously play a role. They're really important. But it could be that you write a different kind of resume, more of a hybrid where you lead with the competencies and then you get into the chronology. So you lead with the capabilities that you think are most relevant to the job that you want, Right. Where you're really carving out and talking about things that are of a non-technical nature, if that's what you're going for. And you're trying to show um, show that capability. Another thing I would say is don't overlook um, planting seeds. So, for example, if you're a member of SHRM or uh, another organization um, among your peers, get a speaking engagement, write an article, demonstrate um you know, your intellectual capital uh, and expertise in a particular area so that you begin to shift that reputation. Reputations can be changed, but the onus is on you to do that change. So think about those two things to start and and um, and maybe get in, if you're rejected with a recruiter that you can have a conversation with, um, ask them to give you a little bit more detail as what things did, did you not touch on certain things? Um, you know, make sure that you are are really as well versed as you think you are, as compared to the competition in these non technical areas, so that you can show a broader range of skill. Wonderful. Thank you for answering that question from Dan. I'll show that question one more time. I kind of butchered it as I was reading it, Dan, but uh, Jenny's answer is brilliant. So, <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, Matrice says that, uh, thank you, this is about you guys, so, but we are just very uh, grateful that you've tuned in. Yeah. All right. So to cap this conversation off, as we're talking about career mapping, what's the a piece of advice you want to give everyone listening that they can take away from our conversation? Yeah. Well, let me say this. Um, we haven't really talked much about you know the, the pandemic and everything. That ah, I meant to talk about that. Yes. People. So let me contextualize it with that, because I think a lot of people are walking around thinking, oh, woe is me. This is going to be terrible. I'm never going to get a job. Um, I talked to, to someone a, a few weeks ago and he was panicked. This was, a you know, the young son of a friend. And and I started talking to him and I said, help me just you know share with me what's going on. And he started talking and I, I said, so tell me, do you believe that this is going to be hard for you to find a job? And he's like, yeah, I mean, look, listen, it's out there. It's on. And I said, what else? Tell me about your other beliefs. And he was kind of like, wait, what? Um, and what I what I urged him to, to do was to really check himself, because I'm someone who believes in the law of attraction. What you believe is what you're going to create in your own life. Mm-hmm. And so to the extent that you believe this is I, I and I'm not oblivious to what's going on. I get it. I know that unemployment is high. I believe that all it takes is one job for you to be employed. Right. Or for you to get some kind of consulting or contract arrangement or whatever it might be. So 
you need to make sure that your mindset is right. Because if you're walking in already believing that you've been defeated, that shows up. Again, as a recruiter, I see you. I see you between between, and I hear between the words that you're speaking Mm -hmm. and I see other aspects of you. And so if you're actually defeated or if you're really confident and really excited, concerned about what's going on in the world, sure, of course. But excited about what you can offer to a company that might be going through a difficult time itself, but still in a position to hire. Those are the things that are going to set you apart. So really check your beliefs and don't sabotage yourself by... Um, you know, kind of saying no before you've even asked the question. So, and, and choose the other thing I would say from a, uh, and I go deep into this in the book, make sure that you are being deliberate and thoughtful. Don't, this is not, finding a job is not like the lottery, right? People come to me like I'm some multiple listing service. Like I know about every job that's out there. <laughs> I mean, seriously, and Spencer Stewart only did, you know, what, 4,000 searches a year, which sounds like a big number, but there's millions, millions. Right. Even today, there are millions of opportunities. And don't even, don't assume that you have to settle. That's another belief. You don't have to believe that. You can believe that you're going to find something that's going to take you to that next level. Don't get hung up on titles as much as what other skills are you seeking to develop? So through that lens, Go on out there, chart a course, get your target list of companies together, have a rationale for why you want to work for those companies and what the ideal role would be, and put your best foot forward and be prepared to answer those competency-based questions. Wonderful. Well, we have a LinkedIn user. I'm not getting a name on it, but that person says exactly. They agree with you, and they say, you walk in the room thinking it's impossible. It will be. It will be. (laughs) Well, Jenny, fantastic. I have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you and I can talk to you for another hour. Where can my listeners learn more about you? Uh, LinkedIn is probably uh, the best place. Um, It's Jenny. You read my name there. The the spelling is right. It's Virginia is my formal name. So it's G-I-N-N-Y, Clark with an E. Um, And don't, don't give this out to too many people, this between us. My email at Google is Jenny Clark, no punctuation, at Google.com. So All that's right. connect with me on LinkedIn and I look forward to it. Don't ask me for a job, okay? Don't. <laughs> um, she gave us the official, the official address, I, not I, the I, Gmail I, account. I'm sorry. I, I want to know who you are, but I just, you know, I, 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 I've got too many other things going on right now to try to chase down a job for you. Google has a very robust site. We post most of our open roles. So go for it, but be selective and make sure that you are really well qualified for the roles and you will get looked at. Well, I'm going to put this in the show notes so that people can connect to you. I want you all to go out and connect to Jenny Clark. She's absolutely amazing. If you have an organization and you want someone to talk about careers, bring her into your organization and talk about careers. She is just amazing. And uh, Dr. Marina says uh, the growth Growth mindset. mindset. Absolutely. That's right, Dr. Marina. You got Ahmed it. says he's charged up and ready to go. <laughs> she says Carol Deckles has great research. Yep. Stephanie Williams says, as usual, this is great information glazed with golden nuggets. I'm Thanks hungry. to you both. <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie. We appreciate that. And Jordan says, embracing, not settling, will definitely mm-hmm. change the trajectory of how you pursue your endeavors. He says, great session indeed. And finally, Alan Wynn, I believe I'm pronouncing the last name correctly. He says, great session. Thank you, Eddie Turner. I want to thank Jenny for making this a great session and being my guest. And <laughs> uh, Laura's saying competency is on the way to go. 
And Dan says, awesome, thank you. Thank you all who joined us from across the social media universe, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Thank you so much. We appreciate you all. I want to thank Jenny again for being here as my guest, talking about how we can map our careers as leaders. Thank you, Jenny. Pleasure. And that concludes this episode, everyone. I'm Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator, reminding you that leadership is about action. It is about you and I uh, staying busy and remembering it's not about a position or a title. It's not a garment we put on and take off. Leadership is something we must have at our core and allow it to emanate in all we do. So whatever you're doing, always keep leading. Thank you for listening to your host, Eddie Turner, on the Keep Leading Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the Keep Leading Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. For more information about Eddie Turner's work, please visit eddieturnerllc.com. Thank you for listening to C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.